Hello, this is episode 28, and once again, I have a cold, which is so weird because I don't get sick very often, but since we started the podcast, I guess it has been 28 episodes, that's a lot, but remember I was sick for one of the other ones? Mm. You don't remember that? It's because of all the breathing in close quarters with your husband. Yeah, except you're not sick, that's what I'm saying. I keep getting sick. (laughs) I'm just Jeremy. He's not Jeremy, he's Jeremy, (laughs) which... (laughs) This is why that's funny. My parents thought about naming my younger brother Jeremy, but they didn't want to name him that because they said people say Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) The two things I want to talk about before we get started is the first is we have a friend in Tokyo. And by friend, I mean like somebody we don't know, but we consider you a friend because (laughs) they've been listening to a lot of our podcasts. So we're grateful for you. Thank you so much, whoever you are. We appreciate you. And the other is we got a comment on our first podcast that we should record an episode about do you remember what the book was named oh it was something by kate de camillo okay it was a comment from someone named natalie and we appreciate that natalie Natalie, you're awesome yeah ryan and i haven't read that book so i think at some point we're gonna read it and then try and get that in but it could be several episodes. Several years. <laughs> or several years. <laughs> so we haven't forgotten you. Try um, again. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you putting that on there. We just haven't read it yet. And occasionally we'll do, like, if it's a book that has a movie or something. Because neither of us had read the original Peter Pan, right? Right. We did do that. But if it's a book that there's no movie and we're not familiar with, not familiar with the book. We don't really usually review books like that, so that's why we want to read it first. Anyway, sorry, that was a really long explanation. We have had a doozy of a week. Mm. It's been rough this week. Pom-pom. Pom-pom. It's been so (laughs) pom-pom. So we're just glad to be recording. Glad to be back with you guys. Hopefully we're going to just have a smashing time. Mm. All right, here we go. It's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a real cracker, this one. Becky said... I hate you, book. You broke my heart into a millions of pieces, and it will never be stitched back up again thanks to you. Oh. Wait, she gave like one star One star, because she's upset. <laughs> but I was going to say, I have had experiences with books where you finish it and you feel a little empty inside. That's how you know it's a really good book, you know, when you finished a series. In fact, I was talking about this with the kids the other day, and I think Jasper said he felt that way about Harry Potter. You know, mm-hmm. it ends and you're just like, what am I to do with myself? <laughs> like, my life means nothing now. And you don't want to restart the series. I don't know. I've definitely had books like that where you become so involved with the characters in the story that it ends and you're like, this can't be it. It's not over, is it? You know? Mm-hmm. Or you get to book two of the King Killer Chronicles and you're like, Oh, it's been 15 years, yeah. <laughs> and Patrick Rothfuss still hasn't got, gotten his last book out. Thank you, Pat. I wonder, I'm Appreciate beginning to you. wonder if he's ever going to put the next one out. Crazy. It's a crazy. D says, a side effect of Gen Y's disturbing sentimentality. Gen Y's? Is that after millennials is Gen Y? Oh, Gen Y. <laughs> Generation Y. I thought you were saying J-E-N. W-I-S-E, Gen Wise. Like, that's a person. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, I don't even know if that's what he's talking uh, about. What's Generation yeah. Y? Baby boomers. Hey, Siri, what is Gen Y? Gen Y is a Chinese rower. <laughs> he competed in the men's lightweight cops list. Oh. <laughs> 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 that's a How about that? Gen Y is a Chinese rower. <laughs> Did not know. Hey, Siri, define Generation Y. Okay. 
I found this on the web for Define Generation Y. Generation of people born in the period roughly from 1980 to mid-90s. Oh, so we're both Gen Y. Oh, the millennials. Why don't you just say millennials, I know, nobody knows Gen Y. Gen Y. Come on. That makes more sense. We're both Generation Y. Yes, and we're disturbingly sentimental. I'm disturbingly sentimental. Not you so much. You don't disturb yourself. Just dis- <laughs> disturb just others. Your sentimentality is yeah. wonderful. Okay, thanks. Exquisite. Ashley says, I feel kind of ripped off. Not only did I not cry, I can't even figure out where I was supposed to cry. The book <laughs> seemed to be just a platform for the author's own existential navel-gazing. Navel-gazing? What does that mean? <laughs> Do you know what that means? I think it's a phrase that's talking about just like pondering your existential <laughs> crises or something you just be like huh Look, my navel what do i mean what am i <laughs> you guys i think the cat <laughs> is broken if she wants to cry i mean a book might not be the best place to do that even if you don't cry very much you go to therapy that'll straighten you out right yep. <laughs> you'll get your cry on in there your therapist will drag up all the stuff that you're like not ready to process this <laughs> It's like I laugh because I would cry otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Anthony said, the level of unabashed emotional manipulation in this book would make the Lifetime Network blush. Seriously, makes Nicholas (laughs) Sparks look like Jane Austen. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just thinking about those Lifetime movies. My Um. aunt loves those. Well, no, not Lifetime. Yeah, she loves loves the Hallmark. basically the same thing. Jenny said, when her friend Caitlin responds with the word awesome sauce, what is that? Who says that? They say that in Troll Hunters. Awesome sauce. <laughs> yeah, that and Did when... you watch that show? No. With Toby? He's like, awesome sauce. <laughs> it bugs me so much when people come up with their own stupid, like, <laughs> my teacher used to say coolness. And I'm like, that's not a word. Stop saying coolness. Coolness? And you're not cool. Is it a word? No. It might be a word. No. Hey, Siri, it. it well, it's a, it's a word, but you don't say it like, coolness. Because <laughs> it makes me uh, want to punch you. Oh, my gosh. Not you. But what about, yeah, no, I know. General. I don't say coolness, so. Coolness. coolness. I don't need to say it. It just is. Okay. Cool. Steep No, says, just, please just say Steph. <laughs> Steep panties? No? I'm so over that, please. Okay, Stephanie. No, it's just Steph. Just Steph. Okay. Staph infection says. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, Gus died? Well, there are five other characters who sound exactly like him, so no biggie. Gus died? Is this a book I've read? Yeah, fairly positive. The only thing that I can think of that has a character named Gus is Cinderella. <laughs> and that's <laughs> not, not a mouse, book. The mouse died. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he did not die. The five other characters who sound exactly like him are the other five, other four mice. <laughs> yes. No biggie. All right. Gus. Brennan wait, said. Wait, 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 wait. Gus. Gus. Maybe if I say his name over and over, it'll come Gus. to me. Listen read... to what Brennan says. Okay. Tell me about it, Brennan. A better title should have been Hyper Articulate Teens with Cancer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's terror. I said terror. <laughs> That's terror. That's terrorness. That's terrible. My brain's not working well, I guess. Okay, is it The Fault in Our Stars? Yes. I didn't actually read that. Oh, well, you saw the movie. I saw the movie, yeah. Good enough. You don't want to read the book. So I gave it two stars. Mm-hmm. And most of the reasons are presented in this much better than I could have. Okay, so good. So reading all of these 
reviews was really cathartic because I was like, yeah, that's why I didn't. Yeah, like yeah, it. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So it makes me think if people ever read my book that were that smart, yeah, I would be mortified because they would pick apart all the little, like they would be able to see into my soul because, <laughs> like, they're saying all about like they're analyzing, psychoanalyzing John, John Green. Green. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why he's doing all this? I'm like, wow, that makes sense. Well, listen, he can afford that because he's probably got million dollars. He's a got... million, at least. Yeah, a million. So, so it's we fine. Can treat him like trash because he's rich yeah exactly <laughs> he can afford a good therapist no i'm just kidding all right dm says augustus is introduced as a teen basketball player who plays video games and reads video game novels he sounds nothing like that and he goes into these douglas coupland-esque monologues at the drop of the hat a teen like that is not going to rave over a literary novel that a teenage girl reads these days it's enough that he reads it all that's true. <laughs> Hazel channels Ellen Page's Juno at every opportunity. <laughs> Despite being on oxygen, she seems to walk long distances, fine, has sex, goes to the mall, college classes, can travel overseas, and only seems to suffer seriously when the plot demands. That's true, from the movies, at least. This is Books for Life 12. <laughs> <laughs> Gus would metaphorically not smoke a cigarette, giving money to companies that caused lung cancer. But that was okay, because it's not like he knew anyone with cancer, right? Oh, wait! His girlfriend and his best friend and ex-girlfriend have cancer, and so does he. <laughs> yeah. This is still her. Mr. Green frequently reminds us Hazel is a genius. Did she have to complain about the oppression of scrambled eggs for three pages? <laughs> no. Then there's the writing. I'm in love with you, and I'm not in the business of denying myself the simple pleasure of saying true things. I'm in love with you. And I know that love is just a shout into the void, and that oblivion is inevitable, and that we're all doomed, and that there will come a day when all our labor has been returned to dust. And I know the sun will swallow the only earth we'll ever have, and I am in love with you. I don't know who said that, because they all talk like that. <laughs> I also didn't find Hazel and Augustus's love beautiful or magical. Two seconds after they meet, Hazel agrees to go to Augustus's house and get in his car. What if he's a rapist? Don't they teach safety at that college of hers? <laughs> yeah, all good points. Thank you. Books for Life 12. Betty says, this was... I don't even have words. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Maybe I have to have cancer to understand the brilliance of John Green. When was the last time you saw a regular kid behaving like that? But Betty, he isn't regular. He has cancer. <laughs> I'm so sick of this generation's mentality that the knight in shining armor, shiny armor, shiny, shiny armor, shining armor, shiny armor, ding, will see you in a bookstore reading Homer and want to rescue from all your problems. No one thinks your sadness is beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she's sad. And Tyrone commented, don't you get it? All a girl needs to be happy is a super genius, brilliant man. Hey, you silly cancer patients, just get a boyfriend already. Oh, wow. Okay. Lawson says, 16-year-old girl with cancer attends support group and OMG, OMG, OMG. There's a hot guy, like totally hot, and OMG, OMG. He's staring at her a lot. Then he says something like super deep and existential, and he's even more majorly into her. They walk outside, and he's so OMG into her and OMG, OMG, super hot. <laughs> And he asks her to come over to his house. But then, OMG, it's so awful. He pulls out a cigarette and she's all disgusted and horrified and calls it his hamarsha, which is a tragic flaw. 
that sounds so much cooler when you use a word nobody will understand and you have to explain it. And then, OMG, he explains that he doesn't light the cigarette and that it's just a metaphor or something. And then it's all totally cool. And she can go over to his house after all. OMG! (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Rena said, those kids need their mouths washed with soap. Why is it assumed that having sex is the only way to prove how in love or committed a couple is? Yeah, good question. Dopamine emotionally attaches you to the source of pleasure, even if that source is just a friend. When this gets misused, our system becomes confused and we feel pain. Deep. So deep. So I'm going to skip to this part where this is reading from my blog, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. I don't actually actually blog, but at one point (laughs) I did. The literary world is constantly evolving, or devolving as the case may be. Pub, <laughs> Pub Crawl recently posted an insightful article, and by recently I mean like this is 10 years ago, about the disturbing trends of sexual violence in books written for young adults. You can see from the comments that the public is split as to what teens really need, and more importantly, sarcasm, what they'll spend money on. Mm. So I've pitted two best-selling novels comparing content and sales in an effort to determine what teens really want in their books. Yes, they're different genres, and this is an oversimplification, but it's my blog, so deal with it. (laughs) I'm dealing with it. So, I compared Fault of Our Stars, The Fault in Our Stars. The Fault in Our Stars. I hate that title. And Harry Potter Book 5. Okay. Fault has 315 pages, published in 2012. Potter was 870 pages, published in 2003. So, this is like almost 10 years. Okay. The main character's age in Fault was 16. In Potter, they are 15. So, Fault. Hazel and Augustus go to his hotel room and have sex. Mention of removing clothes, being awkward because of her oxygen tank, and his fake leg. Mention of condomy problems, and that it wasn't too painful or aesthetic. Alright, here's Harry Potter. Harry and Ron try to enter Hermione's room. A loud, wailing, klaxon-like sound starts, and the stairs turn into a slide. Uh, I don't think we're allowed in the girls' dormitory, said Harry, (laughs) pulling Ron to his feet and trying not to laugh. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) Cute. All right, fault. Do you know what Dom Perignon said after inventing champagne? He called out to his fellow monks, Come quickly, I am tasting the stars. That's on page 163, before the cool enabling adults facilitate underage drinking. Oh my gosh. In Potter... You know what, Ron murmured, looking over at the bar with enthusiasm. We could order anything we like here. I bet that bloke would sell us anything. He wouldn't care. I've always wanted to try fire whiskey. You are a prefect, snarled Hermione. (laughs) Oh, said Ron, the smile fading from his face. Yeah. That's page 337, before they order non-alcoholic butterbeer. (laughs) Wait, he's a prefect when he's 15? I thought they'd be older for that, for some Mm -hmm. reason. Guess not. Huh, okay. All right, so in fault, they had 20 SHITs, five HE double hockey sticks, one BA, one illegitimate child, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nine gosh darns, one bad A, two witch, two A hole, one A clown, two A's, <laughs> and one F word. A clown. A clown. <laughs> I've never heard that before. It's cute, right? <laughs> yes. And then Potter had two dams. That's it. Wow. So, but then the um the final analysis, Fault of Our Stars, total book sold was less than 11 million, but Order of the Phoenix total book sold 
55 million. Oh, yeah, see? So I'm saying that, like, because of my ironclad research. Argument, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants clean fiction. Yeah. Anyway. When I read Fault in My Stars, I was just annoyed, too, because I was like, wow, there's a lot of language in here. And they just drink, and they just have sex, and it's cool. Okay, well, I definitely want my teenage kids to yeah, and I mean, like, think that's cool. I know that we might sound a little bit prudish pretty, or something. We're pretty conservative. But here's the thing. As far as curse words go, and I'm sorry, this might get me in trouble, but if people use them habitually, like they just come out and they don't even think about it, there's almost always another word that can describe what you're trying to say, and usually you describe it more accurately. I'm not saying I don't believe in an artfully placed <laughs> swear word, but... Every once in a while. When it just is excessive like that, John Green was probably thinking, I want to make this like an authentic teenager. To him, I would say, not all teenagers talk like that. Oh, and they know all these big words, but instead they're using know, right? the swear words. Well, that proves that they're adulty because oh my they, gosh. they know big bad words. Now, I'm a lot less strict about language as I used to be. You know? yeah, yeah. I'll just throw in a couple of bad words every now and again. Because <laughs> it's just, just for just... fun. <laughs> but in general, so I was reading one of the books on writing that everyone is like raves about is Stephen King's on writing memoir. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it just because of the stories he told were really cool. Yeah. But then he's giving writing advice and he even tells a story about when his mom said, you know, if you swear, it's because you're not educated enough to know better words. Yeah. And he's like, he put that out as like, you know, a great lesson he learned, except that he's using a bunch of F words in the book, oh the writing gosh. books and all, you know, in his, in his regular writing too. He's wow. So I'm just like, someone didn't listen to his mother. His mother should have gone into his brain and reordered everything. Yeah. Like in Peter Pan. I know. <laughs> his information or secrets that he was giving, just like basic crap that anyone who writes. Should yeah. Know. Interesting. Michael said. The Anne Frank House is a site which, again, universally conjures up real emotion, which puts a face on a genocide that decimated the Jewish populations of Europe. This setting allows Green to combine cancer and genocide as backdrops to advance the mindless romance of his teenage protagonists. Oh it's also another example of their extreme solipsism. Huh? I had to look that up. Yeah. Solipsism is... I've never heard that word. It's like... I'm learning so much. The the theory or whatever that you're the only person that exists oh okay like uh, what was it like you're the only one that can be proven to exist oh, weird they were making out to such an extent that a crowd gathered around them and frank is a backdrop to a makeout scene wow green justifies this use of frank as a prop in the narrative by asserting through hazel's voice of course that frank would have wanted this yes hazel we get it your struggle is comparable to a genocide victim oh my gosh yeah that's Really disrespectful. <laughs> I know it's fiction. And it's so random. They clap for them. I'm just like, Ugh, They clap? They clap. You're serious? Stop. No. Uh, for some reason, when you were reading that, all I could think about was my experience that I had at the Holocaust Museum. I told you about this. Yeah, you shouldn't go to the Holocaust Museum anymore. <laughs> when I was like, I want to say I was 14, but you know, I've told you guys before that I feel all the feels all the time. Like, often when it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's inappropriate to feel anything. That museum changed me. Still to this day, I remember how it felt. We probably shouldn't talk about this because it's, like, depressing. But 
If you ever get the chance to go, just like emotionally prepare yourself. I mean, if you're an empath, because they have children's shoes that they've recovered from the concentration camps and they just have them stacked up. Like you can feel, oh my gosh. Anyway. So, hey, to that person that was like, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to cry, where go to the Holocaust Museum. (laughs) If you're looking to have a proper cry where everything empties out of you and there's nothing left, you go there. But then someone close to you said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we came out and I mean, I was a mess. Like I was severely depressed. And one of the people that with me was just like encouraging me. (laughs) I don't know how to say this and not make it sound. Shut up, Jada. Shut up. Not shut up. She was like, stop crying. Stop crying. Because we were in public. And I just was like really confused because in my mind I was thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I stop crying? I didn't know myself at 14. I didn't know that I was a highly sensitive person and that kind of stuff. It's like, it affects me. It feels like almost to my DNA or something. You know what I mean? Like so deep down inside of me that I felt broken for the rest of that day. Well, it doesn't help when they're like, stop crying. Why yeah, crying? yeah, you should yeah. St- you shouldn't still be crying. I know. And you're just like, oh, why can't I stop? What's wrong with me? I'm sorry. <laughs> so sad. The criticism that John Green got for this book was minimal, with the Daily Mail being the sole newspaper to critique the book, mainly at its exploitative use of sickness as a technique for characterization. And they described it as sick lit. Sick lit. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. It's like, it would be one thing if it was a true story, you know? But he's just like using their disease and stuff to be like, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, interesting. He continues When Green heard of this, meaning the Daily Mail article. Yeah. He replied saying, I'm tired of adults telling teenagers that they aren't smart, that they can't read critically, that they aren't thoughtful. And I feel like that article made those arguments. He missed the point quite clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. You're like, that's not... Okay, I'm just gonna move forward now. Casey says, there is nothing romantic about two people wanting to taste each other's saliva in a museum dedicated to a person who was hiding from the Nazis. And why are breakfast foods breakfast foods? Like, why don't we have curry for breakfast? If you want curry for breakfast, who the heck is stopping you? (laughs) (laughs) And he was hot. A non-hot boy stares at you relentlessly. And it is, at best, awkward and, at worst, a form of assault. But a hot boy, well... Slow clap. Oh, yes. You are not at all shallow. That's so true. If some creepy guy's looking at you, you're like, stalker. Oh, stalker. But because he's hot, it's fine. Wow. That's a good point. I like that he pointed that out. Or she, Casey, could be a girl woman. Liz says, me watching trailer. Huh. I don't remember the book being this pretentious. Me thinking. I should reread the book. I'm sure it's just the way it sounds out loud. She says, I have friends with master degrees and PhDs who don't talk like this. Yep. Augustus is this super awesome basketball player who hates basketball. Wow. What a sad life to be the cream of the crop, but it's such a horrible thing. Hashtag first world problems. Yep. Do you know what else I was thinking as you were reading that? Is even if we know a lot of words, Most people commonly don't speak like that because it's rude, you know? It almost feels like if a teen is talking like that, they have some insecurities or something because, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, even if you know a lot of words, you're often not going to use them in just conversations with people. 
Unless maybe it's like... Yeah, if your goal is to communicate, you use words that they're familiar with. If your goal is to impress someone, you use stupid words that are... <laughs> well, smart words. <laughs> smart and stupid Yeah, words. so I think that's kind of an interesting insight when she was saying, I don't. Ha I have friends with master's degrees and PhDs. And I was like, of course they don't talk like that. Maybe they talk like that with their other PhD friends when they're talking specifically about, you know, whatever their area of study is, but... A lot of people know a lot of words, but they don't use them in common parlance. Parlance? Yeah. Oh, wait, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> whoops. <laughs> All right, Witchy Killjoy. This is one of my favorites, and it's kind of long, so I'll do a fun British accent. Okay. If I had cancer, I'd be pissed off by this book. Without it, this book would be nothing, and you'd be stuck with two teens that fall in love so quickly. In first... 15 pages or so without an ounce of romantic tension and spew pretentious nonsensical BS to one another in order to impress the reader. Look how deep we are. All this spirituality and knowledge. Insert more obscure references. Something deep. Blah, blah, blah. Are you impressed yet? No, I am not. In fact, I'm bored. Can you please tell me how you really feel? Cut the crap and act human. But that never happens. Hazel and Augustus are teenage reflections of John Green and his intellectual wit. They are collections of quotes, obscure references and nonsensical philosophies feeding Green's narcissism because of his rabid fan base that treat him like the god of hipster nerds. <laughs> I say rabid because I have been attacked online by some of them the moment I make any critique of their nerdy holy bible. Gus is extremely full of himself, and every action and sentence he utters has cosmic meaning to it. When Gus takes a crap, it has significance to it. His poop is the universe screaming at his intestines. <laughs> Which represents the life tree, or some other crap like that. <laughs> Gus wastes money on cigarettes he doesn't smoke. So quirky and cool. I could picture the invisible hand of the author tapping me on the shoulder, telling me how deep and meaningful that was. I need to know how many cancer patients are wasting money on cigarettes. They don't smoke to make philosophical statements. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? And Hazel swoons, of course. He's so deep and stuff. Oh, my gosh. But Giovanna, Hazel watches America's Next Top Model. She's a real teenager. I might pop a blood vessel if I keep on eye-rolling. Film comes out soon. The trailer is as sappy and cheesy as I could imagine. And Shailene Woodley, who has an acting ability of plywood, plays Hazel. <laughs> Hollywood really wants to make Shailene happen. It's never going to happen. Stop it. She was Triss in the... I know. Yeah, Shailene. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't, I've never been particularly impressed by her acting, but it's hard to remember. Yeah, I've only ever seen her in those two movies, I think. And then it, it died. So she was right. Witchy Killjoy was right. So I know he's just one person in the book, but every time we purchase something, it's a vote for whatever we're buying. So stupid to me that he would buy a pack of like you're supporting the industry. Well, I don't. So I just assumed that he would buy one and then reuse it forever. But all these reviews make it sound like he just he keeps, keeps yeah, buying he, yeah, them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But when I read that and saw it in the movie, I was just thinking that is the stupidest thing. I I've know ever heard. your money is your vote of what you want to support. <laughs> and maybe we could be like, well, he's just a teenager, but apparently he's not. He's like a 60 year old man stuck <laughs> in a teenager's body. This is Jane. The dialogue was sounding mostly like Tumblr posts. <laughs> Green tried extra hard to make Hazel sound like a teenager by tacking or whatever on the end of most of her sentences. Also, why does she continuously refer to him as Augustus Waters? I know his last name. I don't need you to repeat it a million times. Also, 
Poor sad Isaac was broken up by his girlfriend, and apparently the general consensus by everyone in the book was that she was terrible, and that even if she no longer wanted to be with him, she should have stayed because she promised, and later on they all egg her car. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. Instead of maybe using that breakup as a kind of platform for discussion, it's just, wow, look at this witch breaking up with a guy who's lost his eyes. Gosh. Oh, no, it, we, you don't find anything else really about her. That's you just, like, terrible. She's just like this character, this horrible person that like. Oh my goodness, because she promised. And yeah. like, heaven forbid you change how you feel about Maybe somebody. she has trauma about blind people. You yeah. never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony says, Green takes two heart-achingly clever teenagers, gives them cancer. Oh, how tragic. And then blesses each of them with unsurpassed vocabularies with which they endlessly pour out these amazingly deep, head-splittingly ironic philosophical musings to the point that the reader is left awestruck. Here's the thing. Cancer is not simply a plot device. I've been living with leukemia for over seven years, and I'm still figuring things out. This is a world I know intimately. I was diagnosed in my early 20s, which is pretty young for what I have, and I've known many young survivors as well. Green just misses the mark on surviving and living with cancer on so many levels it's beyond me. These apathetic, oh-so-deep, terrifyingly clever little turds essentially <laughs> turned my stomach. I wanted them to die so some more interesting, less two-dimensional characters could come to the fore and save this book. It's a good thing this was an e-book. We have fairly regular book burnings at my place. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's sad. Anthony, I'm so sorry. Thanks for opening up to us, Anthony. Yeah, that post is super vulnerable. I'm grateful he shared that because everybody else is like, if I had cancer, this book would be offensive. To the- <laughs> he's like, he's I, have like I legitimately have cancer. Book wow. Oh, my gosh. And I love that he called them turds. <laughs> he actually used that word. We didn't like replace that. I, mean, I love that. You know, I don't know. When I read something so vulnerable like that, I just want... I, Give him a hug. Yeah, like, well, I don't Virtual know. Virtual hug, Anthony. <laughs> Isabel says, I don't get the whole tear-inducing, heart-wrenching hype around this novel. Or maybe whatever passes for a heart in my chest cavity was too busy rolling its metaphorical eyes at all the pompousness. <laughs> what if our hearts had eyes? That'd be so <laughs> freaky. It could tell you, like, if you were getting clogged arteries and stuff. <laughs> That's gross. Send a message up to the brain. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> I'm glad you found that humor. <laughs> I'm just Humorous. like picturing what that would look like. <laughs> They're metaphorical uh, eyes. Uh, yeah, I know. I heard that the first time. Yeah. I just took it a step further. Kate, the professional fangirl, said, "This is a quote from the from the, the book. book. My mother decided I was depressed, presumably because I rarely left the house, spent quite a lot of time in bed, read the same book over and over, ate infrequently, and devoted quite a bit of my abundant free time to thinking about death." And then Kate said. If you take all those except the part about death, then I'm also depressed, according to Hazel Grace Lancaster's mom. <laughs> <laughs> all those except for what? Except for the part about death. Huh. So she's saying she rarely leaves the house, spends a lot of time in bed, reads the same book over and over, eats infrequently. <laughs> Listen, if I didn't have kids, that would be me, except for the eats Wouldn't infrequently part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love me so, some food. <laughs> opposite of that. Okay, you did not need no. to go. <laughs> I meant that would... <laughs> infrequently doesn't eat food. <laughs> That's no, the opposite. I meant for me, for me, oh, okay, opposite okay. of that would be uh, the best case scenario. But it's like, yes, yeah, she just sounds like an introvert with possible narcolepsy. Okay. <laughs> this is I or L. I can't tell. 
Uh, that's a good question. Okay, so I or that's L. a philosophical discussion yeah. for another day. <laughs> says, I have a deep-seated distrust of adults who try to appear cool to teenagers, <laughs> as well you should. John Green fundamentally does not get teenagers. This book and its characters are unbelievably flat. Hermione's phrase, the emotional range of a teaspoon, comes to mind. <laughs> also, no one in this novel knows what Hamartia means, and it irritates me intensely. So why did I waste my time reading this schmaltzy book I had no interest in and strongly suspected that I would hate? Because my brother-in-law challenged me, and we have a somewhat antagonistic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't re read her. That's excellent. I'm assuming she's a teenager. Which I appreciate a teenager's perspective, right? <laughs> I know we're in our, well, you're 40, but I'm in my 30s. And I feel like I can still remember what it was like to be a teenager. And I was, that is not what a teenager looks like, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I agree with her. And I know John Green's all like, why why can't people? I'm like, okay, John Green, you may have been gifted or whatever. And maybe your gifted friends were like that. But, like, the normal teen does not look like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think nobody wants to read about stupid kids with stupid vocabulary <laughs> yeah you're gonna make the kids a little more intelligent and witty than you normally would but this level is it's just ludicrous the book queen says this is the most horrific piece of trash i've ever read okay. this is not a book it's a collection of sugar-coated faux clever pretentious quotes spouted ad infinitum by pretentious d-bag characters <laughs> this is matthias matthias says this book it's like those cherry-shaped candies Haribo makes. Terribly sweet indeed, easy to digest, but not really cherries. The cherries aren't made of crushed pig bones and intestines. And cherries <laughs> have a solid core to them, and that's a lot harder to swallow. Okay, well maybe he should have been in the book, because I'm like, I'll just sit on that for a minute. This is Emma. This is the John Greeniest book of all John Green books. <laughs> and I hate it and him more than anything. There are just so many laughable quotes. Some infinities are bigger than other infinities. It would be a privilege to have my heart broken by you. <laughs> because you are beautiful, I enjoy looking at beautiful people, and I decided a while ago not to deny myself the simpler pleasures of existence. <laughs> that one is a good one if you love your friends a lot, but are bad at compliments. <laughs> this will ensure that they know you love them, but also prevent them from ever wanting to talk to you ever again. Oh, and... My thoughts are stars. I cannot fathom into constellations. <laughs> Maybe okay could be our always. It's comedy gold because this crap is cringe-worthily affected and pretentious, but also focuses on basic keywords you can latch onto and bring up in pretty much any given conversation. What? Yes, all of my friends do hate me. Why do you ask? I feel like I've had a buildup of John Green-directed anger of late. Don't get me wrong, I'm constantly boiling in it just due to who I am as a person, but his return to writing and that ugly cover reveal are making me even matter. <laughs> who do you think you are, John? Is this because you know I will have to read your new book since I have long justified my hatred for you by saying I've read all of your crap and disliked it all? <laughs> Why, you may ask, do I continue to scream about him if I'm so scared he and his cringy YouTube videos and rabid fans will come for my life? Because he is horrible. I enjoy ranting about horrible people, and I decided a while ago not to deny myself the simpler pleasures of existence. <laughs> touché! So touché. I love it. Stacy says, I was constantly distracted by how obviously everything was written with the goal of tugging on the reader's heartstrings, rather than just letting things happen that were beautiful in spite of being sad. 
It felt like Mr. Green was screaming at me from the page. Are you sad yet? Are you sad, right? This is sad. You should feel all the things and cry about it. I'm a good writer. I write feelings. Are you crying yet? <laughs> Goodness. Augustus came off completely obnoxious, particularly in the way he insisted on speaking in a nerd hipster dialect that no one would ever use in the real world. <laughs> Some commenters here have said it's the way Mr. Green himself talks, which A, way to be self-congratulatory, and B, how does he not get punched in the face like all the time? Yeah, what happened to you, John Green? That's what we need to know. His whole fascination with ultimately meaningless metaphors felt condescending, like Mr. Green constantly squealing, Hey, guys, see what I did there? No, I don't like that. <laughs> hey, guys, see what I did there? Take a second. Write it down if you need to. Yeah, I'm deep. And tacking, distracting, or whatever's on the end of random bits of dialogue, because this is how teenagers talk, right? I can talk like a teenager, see? Because they say whatever. I'm a good writer. Are you feeling things yet? I feel nothing. Any opportunities to delve into hard questions and real answers were left untaken and exchanged for large passages that had very little purpose outside of screaming, Look at this handsome, charming boy. Isn't he sweet, ladies? He will pull your chair out for you, and he talks like I do. It's charming, right? You are feeling charmed. I'm a good writer. And then he's like, Will you love me? I need someone to love me. <laughs> I would have loved to love this book as much as everyone else and have a new favorite to hold dear to my heart. Now I'm just confused. Was my copy broken? <laughs> hey guys i think my book copy is broken <laughs> that's funny well thank you guys for joining us in my ridiculous voice today for episode 28 are we gonna do something special for 30 or no uh sure like every 10 no but i mean if we end up doing like 200 episodes or what would you define as special I don't know. I mean, maybe I could look up <laughs> yeah you know what for episode 30 we'll do that for episode 30 i'm gonna look it up I'm going to do one that's really hard that Ryan won't be able to guess <laughs> till the very end, and it's going to be so hilarious. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> and him go feel so stupid. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. He'll feel what it feels like. And yeah, just thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs>